0: Paul says, do everything you do so that the church may be built up. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good morning, my friends. We're moving on in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 today. It's Friday, and we're all looking forward to the weekend. And we're going to finish well today by continuing in our study Uh, We're going to be looking at verses 26 through 33, and then we'll finish the chapter at the beginning of next week. Um, Paul continues in his theme of worship, and today we pick up with his thoughts on orderly worship. We've been talking about intelligible worship, um, addressing the excesses of the use of the Corinthian believers Uh, gift of tongues and the way that it was being disruptive in worship and now Paul moves on to address the issue of uh, having good order in worship and so we're going to take a look at what he has to say today before we do let's go before the father heavenly father we love you today we thank you once again for your faithfulness through your word Um, help us to bring all that we are into this moment to quiet our spirits and our hearts before you, and to seek your face, O God. Speak through your word as you're faithful to do. Uh, Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hands to apply that which you teach through your spirit. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is 1 Corinthians 14, 26-33. Paul writes, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at most should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people." So, a good teaching here in Paul, again, is putting the two gifts of tongues and prophecy front and center, probably because their expression within worship was the most troubling uh, and the most excessive. And so, he's setting a New Testament standard for how those gifts should be expressed in worship in the early church, and... um, So we uh, kind of see what he's saying at first about the way that tongues should be done in an orderly way. He doesn't want people with this gift dominating what's happening in worship, and so he says when you come together, you all have your gift at the ready and you're excited to share with each other, and that's a good thing. That's kind of what he says in verse 26. Uh, He says in 27, if someone speaks up in a tongue, two or three at most should speak, and one at a time and someone must interpret and so you can see the order here he's limiting the number of people that will pop up and and share uh through the gift of tongues Um, two or three at most and they should do so one at a time so they're not just filling up the air with babbling talk creating chaos and confusion And he says someone must interpret. And so in order to make the message of the tongue that's being expressed intelligible in an orderly way, someone must interpret. Makes sense. He goes on, if there's no interpreter, then that particular speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to only himself and to God. And then on the issue of prophecy, uh, again, two or three at most should speak. The others should weigh carefully what is said. So he's challenging those who are listening to this prophetic utterance to listen carefully to what's said, to put it through the filter of Scripture, to ask questions of it. Does this seem consistent with the teaching of Scripture? Does this seem consistent with the way that God works? And um, so he puts a test to it. And then he says in verse 30, if revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. So uh, this is interesting because this sounds like the experience in the um, a Quaker church of old where they would wait and worship until the Holy Spirit moved and brought a revelation to someone. And then people would, uh, as they're burning within with this revelation from God, they would stand to speak and share what it is that God is putting on their hearts. It seems very similar to that. Uh, So the priority in verse 30 is given to the one who is given revelation in the midst of someone else speaking. Paul says that person should defer to the one who's been given the revelation while they were speaking. And uh, take a seat while the person stands to speak forth the revelation that came. Um, He says, For all of you can prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Uh and earlier part of 14, he adds comfort as well when talking about the gift of prophecy. Instruction, encouragement, and comfort seem to be the three focuses of uh, the gift of prophecy when used in the body. Um, so he says in 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. This might be indicating uh, an order of um, sort of... Uh, uh, Priority, if you will, or a seniority kind of system within those who express the gift of prophecy, that there are senior prophets who um, some of the lesser uh, known or less mature prophets must be subject to. Uh, And then Paul continues on in verse 33 For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the Lord's people, so this applies across the spectrum. It is Paul's expectation and the the apostles' expectation that the believing communities that they are uh, that they have founded and that they are continuing to support um, be places of order and peace, consistent with the Lord's workings. And that this should be across the board. So this is, a, this is kind of a first century rule that order should rule the day. And uh, if, it, if there's disorder and if there is no expression of the peace of God, then it's probably not of God and we should um, be careful uh, to avoid those kinds of things. So, a good teaching, it sets the stage for his movement through uh, the rest of 14. And uh, it's very important that we have order in worship, because God is not a God of disorder, but He is a God of peace. And we want our worship setting to be a place of peace for people who are coming, both those who are inquiring of God, who are curious about God and curious about faith, and those who are committed to Him already. Uh, So that the peace of God reigns and rules in our hearts and that productive uh, work of the Spirit can take place when we're gathered for worship together. It does no good if there's chaos and disorder. Um, In fact, it uh, it does a lot of harm because people don't feel safe to open their hearts and to open up to what God is doing in a place where there's chaos and disorder. All right, my friends, uh, great teaching this week. Uh, chapter 14 is so critical and it applies even today uh, to the way that we gather and organize ourselves for worship. And, um, uh, you know, it's not a bad thing to organize and administrate the life of the church. It doesn't mean that we're putting constraints on the Spirit necessarily, it means that we're trying to create a careful environment for the Spirit to truly work in so that hearts can be moved in the direction of Jesus. All right, my friends, God bless you as you go into the weekend. Thanks for taking time out of your day to study with us, and we'll see you again on Monday.